The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 219 of the podcast where you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube. Today is Sunday, November 29th, coming off of Thanksgiving week. Hope everybody had a very happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody stayed safe, uh, social distancing or you know eating outside or whatever you have to do, especially to protect those elderly members of your family. Um, but it, I just hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, I, I love seeing what everybody drinks on Thanksgiving. Everybody always talks about the food. I'm all, all about the, uh, I'm all about the booze as you guys know, I made my, <clears throat> I made my holiday rum cider that I make every year. And it's always, it's always a big hit, uh, especially with myself. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. That's why I make it every year. So it's just uh, spiced rum. I use a local rum, Old St. Pete. Uh, if you can find it, it's it's really delicious. It makes uh, it makes Captain Morgan taste like dish soap. Um, so I I boil that until it's simmering in a pot with some apple cider, and then I take some orange slices and stick some cloves in it and some cinnamon sticks and I throw that and I let it simmer for like 15 minutes, serve it hot, or you can let it cool down, serve it over ice. It's awesome. Uh, I like to make it Thanksgiving and like Christmas Eve usually. Um, and maybe a few other batches throughout the year, you know, but it definitely has those awesome fall flavors. Uh, if you're doing some Christmas shopping or any kind of holiday shopping, you want to grab an NMA on the rocks t-shirt. You can do so through our friends, at Team Reaper, the website is reaper1.co, and then you go to Fight Teams, go to MMA on the Rocks, and you can get an over-the-top, under-the-influence t-shirt or hoodie. Um, you know, if there's anyone in your life who you find often to be over-the-top or under-the-influence or both, uh, it would make a great gift. Or they, they also have some other great stuff on there. Of course, you can support some... Uh, Local circuit fighters, they now have a children's line of clothes, Team Reaper, uh, for those of you with kids out there or, or have to shop for kids. So that's cool. Uh, they make some MMA gear now. They make MMA gloves. They make jujitsu gis. I uh, have not had the chance to try them yet, but I, I know that they're definitely going to be high quality because uh, they really took their time to do some research on that stuff. So go check them out, reaper1.co. As always, I'll put the link in the show notes. This episode is also brought to you by Bell Mead Bourbon. And by brought to you, I mean they're not a sponsor, but whatever comes out of my mouth is going to be influenced by this bourbon that is very delicious. Uh, 90.4 proof, right? So it's not super high proof. I know a lot of you bourbon heads out there are like, it's got to be 100 proof or or else I won't drink it. 
don't more for me. Um, I just recommended this bourbon to my buddy, Eddie law from the keyboard warriors podcast. Um, and, and that made me want to throw it back in my rotation. I don't think I've talked about it on the show. Uh, and if I have, it's been a while. Uh, I had a bottle of this over my, my last vacation and uh, it did not last the duration of the vacation. Super smooth. Um, you know, for, for a 90 proof, uh, it definitely doesn't have much of a burn. The burn comes like kind of on the back end, uh, a little sweet up front. It's got a lot of that bourbon sweetness that we all know and love. And, uh, yeah, it's dangerous, dangerous stuff, especially if you like to drink it over ice because it goes down a little too easy. And next thing at 90 proof, uh, you know, has you looking at the ceiling if you're not careful. Anyway, uh, what else was I going to talk about? Interesting day so far, Sunday. Um, I'm a little tired, I'll be honest with you guys. My day started off. Uh, my wife went to the gym. She she goes to this yoga gym in our town. Shout out to Blend Sweat Social uh, here in Safety Harbor, Florida. If you're ever in the area and you want to do some yoga, definitely check them out. Highly recommend them. Uh, I, I go and take some classes there myself. It's uh, helped me with a lot of my injuries uh, from you know 20 plus years of combat sports and all the damage I've done to my body. I'm just now uh, starting to do things to better myself. Uh, you know, if you think about it, you do a lot of things like sitting down. If you train uh, grappling, you're doing a lot of pulling movements and stuff like that. And we never really do anything to counter all of that stuff. Uh, so you, you end up building all, all this tension in your body. And I find that yoga is a really awesome way to release all that tension. So my wife goes to yoga this morning. So I started off my day getting a manicure from my two-year-old daughter um, who she sat down with me and she painted my nails with like this fake like water soluble nail polish uh, that she got. It has like the frozen characters on it and stuff. So basically if you get it on anything, you just wipe it off with a wet paper towel. Um, so she painted my nails a few times. Uh, I'm losing a lot of people now, I can tell, because I started off by saying how I, I've been doing a lot of yoga, and now I'm saying I, I got a manicure this morning. Anyway, so she she <laughs> she painted my nails a few times, um, blue and then yellow and then blue again, and uh, she was having a good time with it and kept her occupied uh, while the wife was at the gym, so uh, it was fun, and and she's, she tells me, like, Daddy, you're pretty now. <laughs> so it, it's cute and then uh later on my my buddy jonathan came over those of you who are longtime listeners of the show may remember jonathan i've talked about him a bunch uh he helped me cut down a tree a few months ago in my yard um helped me lay down the turf in my backyard artificial turf uh and he came over to try and help me remove this stump that's really got me stumped uh, as far as how to remove it. Uh, th this thing fell a few weeks ago during the uh, tropical storm Ada, Eda, uh, whatever it was. In any case, most of it was cut away, but I'm left with this giant oak tree stump. Uh, so we were, we were kind of hacking away at that. 
Um, may have overexerted myself a little bit, uh, you know, outside in the heat, uh, drinking beers and, and, uh, you know, using chainsaws, <clears throat> probably not the safest way, you know, my wife kind of questioned me and I was like, no, it's in the manual. You're supposed to drink beer while you operate, um, while you operate this, uh, really dangerous piece of machinery. But in any case, my daughter went from, uh, doing manicures in the morning to coming outside and, and I had my shovel and I was trying to dig underneath all the roots and she's like, daddy, I'm going to help you. And she, she came out with like her little toy sand shovels and, and just sat in the dirt and she wound up playing in the dirt for like an hour after, after everything was done. And, um, and then, you know, she took a bath and put on her princess dress. So she's, she's got a little tomboy in her. She likes to sit and play in the dirt, but she also likes to, you know, do her nails and, and wear a princess dress. So I, I feel like she's going to be a well-rounded kid um, or, or not, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe she shouldn't be letting my kid play in the dirt. I'm sure. It, there's always so many people out there that are like the biggest parent critics, like, Oh, you should never let your kid do this or that. And can't pay attention to any of that shit. Uh, anyway, let's talk some fights. Obviously Jeff, the animal Wilson, can't join us this evening. Uh, he had a prior obligation and uh, he didn't watch the fights. So um, it, I, I would say there's no use having him here anyway, but there's always a use for the animal. I would, I would gladly have him on uh, even, even knowing that he didn't watch the fights uh, just, just to have his commentary and reaction that I always so enjoy, but uh, we don't have him this week. So we want to get a hold of the animal. Reach out to him on social media at animal underscore Wilson, Twitter and Instagram. All right, let's talk some fights here. We had boxing, kind of. It wasn't. I don't know if I could even call it a boxing event that happened uh, last night. I don't know if it was a good thing for the sport uh, because it's been losing interest, or if it was a bad thing because of the the production and the fact that they just had like basically celebrity boxing matches and and then like legends a legends match that wasn't sanctioned it was like an exhibition so let's table that for now let's talk about the let's talk about the mma stuff because i know i always get annoyed when i tune into a podcast that's about one thing and they start talking about something else first I'm like i'm trying to listen i want to hear about the mma fights on I'm not interested in the boxing, so we'll table the boxing for now, but I will get to it. I did watch it, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Don't worry. So UFC on ESPN 18, uh, headlined by light heavyweights Anthony Smith and Devin Clark. So this was supposed to be headlined by the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, and Curtis Blades, but unfortunately Curtis Blades tested positive for the coronavirus like two days uh, before I was half expecting Paul Felder to step up and fight Derek Lewis, but I guess that was just wishful thinking. I guess we can't we can't put that much pressure on Paul Felder. You know, he he did just fight, and uh, he, you know he, he healed like the like the Wolverine from X Men. Uh, it was amazing how fast the cuts on that guy's face healed. So anyway, Anthony Smith steps up, and Devin Clark as well, and they say this is the main event. We want to give the fans, uh, you know, what they're what they're hoping for with the main event. We'll still do five rounds. I, I guess they had the option 
to just fight a three round fight since they weren't supposed to be the main event. They, they hadn't been training for a five round fight, whatever the case, but you know, these guys are professionals. They're in shape. It's not like they're only sparring three rounds, you know, while they're training for this fight. Obviously they're training rounds after rounds after rounds. Um, so Anthony Smith, man, just what, what can you say? This guy is either, he's either when he's on, he's really on. And, and when he's off, he's really off. And, and that's it. I mean, he can definitely hang with elite competition, but sometimes when things aren't going his way, um, it, you know, he falls apart a little bit, but when things are going his way, this is a dangerous man. Uh, he, he's good everywhere. Put Devin Clark on the ground. Devin Clark, very accomplished uh, junior college wrestler, uh, known for his wrestling, known for his ground and pound. Uh, he looked great in his last fight against Alonzo Menafield, I believe, uh, where he showed a great game plan, great strategy, very patient. Um, so I thought we were going to see the next level of Devin Clark here. And what we wound up seeing was that he wasn't ready for the level of competition that Anthony Smith brings to the table. Now, <clears throat> um, so he got to the ground. That was impressive. Um, and if that wasn't impressive enough, he submitted him. So um, he, he winds up underneath Devin Clark and kind of forces the triangle a little bit. Uh, you know, he had to force uh, Devin Clark's arm out of the way so that he could lock his legs up into the high guard. Um, now, the reason this looked so easy was that Devin Clark was pressuring forward instead of posturing up to get out of the triangle. He really didn't try to defend it at all. And um, some people were wondering why Anthony Smith didn't pull the arm across, you know, which is the traditional finish for the triangle, but you don't need to do that if you cut an angle. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> so Smith <laughs> turned to the side, uh, which cuts the angles of your legs. Uh, and, and decreases the amount of space that your opponent has. Sorry, Mark, we're gonna, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get into some spoilers here. We're starting at the top of the card, buddy. Um, so Mark's Mark's watching the the beginning of the fights as he's listening to the show. I'll take a few more sips of bourbon to to slow things down a bit. Um, but in any case, Anthony Smith looked phenomenal. Um, I mean, what can you say? He took down one of the better wrestlers in the division and submitted him within two and a half minutes. Uh, after stepping up into a ma another main event, I believe it was his fifth main event. So, yeah, great night for Anthony Smith. What's next for him? I have no idea um, because, he, you know, once he gets in there with these top five guys, he, he tends to struggle. Um, maybe a, a rematch with, with Tiago Santos. Um, I don't know. And I don't know what you do with Anthony Smith for Devin Clark. It's a little easier, you know, just scale back the competition a little bit. He's not ready uh, for these upper echelon guys, but uh, still super talented, still, has a lot of uh, growing to do. Um, super disciplined guy, so I'm sure he's gonna. I'm sure he's gonna be hitting the jujitsu hard after this fight. 
and he's going to learn some things and he'll probably come back with a submission or two before his UFC career is over. Um, so awesome uh, main event. I'm, I'm glad it was a quick finish because uh, this was a long night. This this card started pretty late. I think the the prelims didn't start until 7 or, or maybe it was 8. And then the main card started at, at 10. I think if there's less fights, they should start it an hour earlier and uh, just let everybody go home early. I get I get that they have to they have to have it uh, like prime time for the West Coast and stuff. And uh, I know people, the people, the folks in Europe always hate hearing me complain about how late the cards go because they're up at like four in the morning to watch these things, uh, as well as the folks over in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, so I know you guys get pissed when I say stuff like that, but give me a break. I have a toddler. Uh, <laughs> so I think I get a pass. Uh, co-main event, uh, was supposed to be Anthony Smith and Devin Clark, but it wound up being Miguel Baeza and Takashi Soto, Sato. Uh, Baeza looked great uh, in this fight. Wound up finishing it at the end of the second round. A beautiful arm triangle choke. One of my favorite submissions. Uh, so Baeza looking super smooth in there. Uh, I'm gonna kind of breeze over this card, folks, because I want to. I want to talk about the boxing a little bit, and um, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it a quick episode tonight, just because it's only me, and it's hard to talk for an hour straight, especially when I'm trying to inhale my bourbon. Yeah, so Baeza looked great, uh, and then we had a really fun heavyweight fight: Parker Porter and Josh Parisian. Uh, Parisian came off the contender series. I think he was on the contender series twice and he was also on the ultimate fighter. So he finally gets into the UFC looked great in that first round. Um, you know, hit Parker Porter with just about everything. Uh, these guys were all over the place. They hit the ground a little bit. They were, they were hitting each other with some big shots, but then Porter came back and, and won. I believe he won the second and the third round pretty convincingly. But it was a fun fight. Parisian looked like he gassed a little bit. You know, these these are two guys who are not in the greatest of shape. Um, but, you know, it's heavyweight, so they get a pass, just like I get a pass for complaining about the start time of fights because I have a toddler. You know, they're heavyweights, so they have to look like heavyweights, I guess. You know, not every heavyweight is going to be ripped like Alistair Overeem um, or Francis Ngannou. You know, some of them are going to be Parker Porters. I feel like you kind of have to be a heavy guy if your name's Parker Porter. It's just like, it's just a heavy guy name. That's just the way it is. You know, you're born with that name. You'd be a heavy guy. I thought he looked like, um, I thought he looks like the guy from the Matrix. I forget his name. Uh, the guy with the mustache. He was only in the first Matrix. I think it was Cypher or, or Siphon, something like that. Anyway, Google, Google that guy and, and put his picture next to Parker Porter. They they look uh, Parker Porter looks like that guy, a uh, hundred pounds heavier. So there's that. All right, Mark, we're up to <laughs> where you're watching. Spike Carlisle, Bill Algio. Carlisle is another one of these guys. Very exciting to watch. Uh, really fun fighter. Um, lost the decision in his last fight to. My buddy Billy Quarantello uh, in a really exciting fight. He, he's another one of these guys that um, 
he, you know, he, he probably, you know, beats up a lot of guys in the gym and he, and he pulls off a lot of fancy moves and, and spinning stuff. But he's another one of these guys that when things aren't going his way, he just kind of falls apart in there. Um, and, and there's a lot of guys like that out there who, you know, they're used to hitting somebody and they fall down. And when they don't fall down, they're like, oh, well, what next? You know, Michelle Perdea is another one of these guys. Um, but, you know, even he kind of adapted a little bit and realized like, all right, I'm facing a higher level of competition here. I need to have a plan B and C and, and so on. And I think Spike will get there. Uh, you know, he's got good skills. He's well-rounded. He's got good submission defense. But all the credit to Bill Algio, who took this fight, I think, on a week's notice or two weeks' notice or something. He was supposed to go on a honeymoon or anniversary vacation or something with his wife uh, to Mexico. And he's like, sorry, honey, we got to put the trip on hold. Uh, I got to go to work. And, um, you know, getting in there with Spike Carlisle, who – you know, brings a heavy storm early on in the fight is no easy task, uh, especially on a few weeks' notice. So credit to Algio, man. He he looked phenomenal, I thought. Uh, he looked good everywhere. I thought his jiu-jitsu looked solid. I thought his striking was good. Um, he weathered that Spike Carlisle uh, storm in the first round. Um, I don't think Spike's going anywhere. You know, he's a bit of a character. He's a bit of a weirdo. Uh, and you know, the UFC likes that they like those personalities that kind of stand out. And once he gets a few wins under his belt, uh, against some lower level competition, he'll start cutting a few promos and, you know, he'll work out those kinks in his game. I have a feeling, and, um, you know, he'll, he'll be a competitor, um, within a few years and it's not the last we've seen of him. Norman Dumont, um, Impressive win over Ashley Evan Smith. Uh, Ashley Evan Smith, one of the better wrestlers uh, in this division, which I need to double check real quick. Um, but yeah, Dumont was able to take her down. So, you know, we're starting to see like a changing of the guard. Yeah, 135 pounds. We're starting to see a changing of the guard where it used to be, you know, guys with great and girls with great wrestling credentials were doing all of the takedowns and never getting taken down. But, you know, we're starting to see that change where you're seeing non-wrestlers uh, <laughs> taking people down in MMA. You know, people are starting to realize that wrestling is a really important, um, really important aspect of mixed martial arts. Uh, you, you know, I would argue it's, it's the best base to have because you get to determine where the fight takes place. I'm not, uh, I'm not telling anything new to you guys. Most of you who listen to this show regularly know this. Um, you, you know, if you're a good wrestler and you're not a good striker, you take the fight to the ground. If you're a good wrestler and also a good striker, then you keep the fight standing. That's, you know, you have those options. But Ashley Evan Smith, you know, very good wrestler and uh, got taken down by Norman Dumont. Uh, and MMA wrestling is is very different from, like freestyle or folk style or even Greco-Roman wrestling uh, because you have the cage and you have, you know, the gloves and you're not wearing shoes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of aspects of the wrestling in MMA that are vastly different than the wrestling you do elsewhere. Obviously it's still a great starting point. If you have four or five 
10 years of wrestling under your belt before you start getting into MMA, but you know, you have to, you have to adapt, you know, there, there's a lot of things that just don't work from, from like folk style wrestling, like shooting outside single legs. You can't really do that in MMA or, or jujitsu even because of the, the strangles and, and uh, chokeholds that, that you open yourself to with moves like that. Um, you know, ankle picks and stuff like that don't work as well because you're not wearing shoes and your opponent's not wearing shoes. So in any case, Dumont gets the win there. Jonathan Pierce, second round TKO over Kai Kamaka. Um, that was a fun fight. You know, Pierce started out a little bit slow. You didn't really know what was going to happen in this one. And then uh, he he turned it up in that second round and got the TKO right towards the end of it. Um, yeah, put, put Kamaka down and put him to sleep. Uh, Anderson Dos Santos, uh, really slick uh, guillotine submission over Martin Day. Um, this was just another one-sided fight uh, where Dos Santos was, you know, completely overwhelming uh, Martin in there. I got a really nice guillotine uh, right at the end of the first round. Gina Mazzani, pretty one, another one-sided beating of uh, Rachel Ostovich. Um, Ostovich, you know, a lot of people hate on her because she does, you know, kind of raunchy social media stuff and uh flaunts her body a lot and you know whatever she, she she works hard on it it's not like uh it's not like men don't take advantage of uh sexualizing their images so you know power to her for doing that stuff um but obviously when you do that stuff you're gonna have harsher critics because it's not like um, you know, you're, you're drawing attention to yourself. And when you do that, you kind of have to perform to a level that matches the attention you're seeking, so to speak. Uh, and she just wasn't able to do it. I mean, she was tough. I mean, she took a beating from Gina Mazzani and Gina, Gina was beating her up everywhere on the feet, on the ground. She took her down, but Ostevich did a good job, you know, getting back up, um, you know, I was impressed with the way she was able to get off the ground a few times. Uh, you, you know, it, it took a lot for Mazzani to put her away. Finally, it was a body kick that just folded Ostevich in half uh, at the end of the third round. But it, it almost seemed like Ostevich was going to make it to to that third bell. But then she just didn't. Um, it seems to me like I don't want to say she's not – training properly but it seems like she just doesn't have the timing down on the feet uh she th she's a little stiff throwing the strikes uh and the way she is in her stance very tense in the shoulders um and and came up short with a lot of her strikes and and to me that shows probably a lack of sparring uh you know where she's not getting that timing down i, I could be wrong i'm wrong all the time i've probably been wrong you know, 10 to 12 times since the start of the show, for example. Um, but anyway, that's what I noticed about the way she fought. But, uh, you know, Mazzani able to get the finish, and that that was really impressive because she could have just wrote out a decision. But, you know, she really poured it on in that third round and, and really worked the body of Rachel Ostovich um, and, and put her away. That, now that puts Ostovich at four and six, I believe. Um, but 
uh, you know, because of her time on the ultimate fighter and because of the following she's built, you know, outside of MMA with her social media and things like that. She is still a commodity. She can fight. Um, you know, if they give her some, some lower level competitions to get a few wins, bring her record up to 500. Um, you know, hopefully the skills catch up with the persona by then. And, um, you know, I think she could turn it around. I think she's got a lot of skill. Uh, here was the most impressive performance for me on the whole card. Sue Maderji. Sue Maderji. I think I got that right. First round knockout over Malcolm Gordon. This guy comes from China, I believe. Looked phenomenal. Just a total sharpshooter on the feet. Uh, his timing and the way he's able to extend on his punches and, and be so precise with the way he lands his punches was so impressive to me, especially because it wasn't like Malcolm Gordon was doing the wrong thing. He was being a moving target. He was moving his head. And Sumaderji was able to meet Gordon's head wherever it landed it's like he threw the punch knowing where he was going to move his head um and yeah uh, you know he threw i think it was a left straight that buckled him and it was like a delayed reaction where he kind of stumbled and then his legs just went out from under him and uh he just shelled up on the ground great stoppage by dan margliata in that one um but yeah man the guy just looked like a stone cold killer put put this guy on a main card the next in his next fight. I don't care who he's in there against. Um, and I believe is this 125? These guys. Okay, so he is from China, but his nickname is the Tibetan Eagle. Um, Eleven of his thirteen wins by knockout. Um, he does have a loss submission, a few submission losses. Uh, so. I guess grappling is not really his thing, but, you know, there's time to work that stuff out. He's only 24 years old. Yeah, 125 pounds. A lot of exciting fights for this guy. Two wins in a row now. Last win was against Andre Sukumtot. Uh, so that's that's an impressive uh, two-fight win streak right there. Uh, you know, submission loss to Louis Smolka. Uh, nothing to hang your head about there. His only losses are by submission. So. All right, I retract my statement about throwing him on the main card in his next fight, and and definitely don't give him to any jujitsu guys just yet. Uh, I would like to see him develop those skills for another year or two, and then see where he's at. Uh, first fight on the card: Joseph Maness and Luke Sanders. This was kind of a fun uh, back and forth fight. You know, Luke had his moments in this fight. Uh, I think he dropped Joseph at some point. A um, few good grappling exchanges there, but uh, eventually in the second round, Maness wound up taking Luke's back, submitting him. Fun fight. Uh, fun card overall. Uh, it, it just felt like it was dragging on a little bit, and then it was kind of hard to pay attention because I'm sure a lot of you were as well. I was split screening with the boxing. Um, but, yeah, you know, overall for a card where the main event was canceled two days before. I think it delivered. I think there was still some really fun fights on here. Uh, if you did 
miss the card if you feel like it wasn't worth it. I would say the main event is worth watching. Miguel Baeza's performance was worth watching. Bill Algio and Spike Carlisle I thought was a fun fight. And uh, definitely the most impressive performance to me was Suma Derji. Um, so if you, if you only watch one fight on this card, definitely go back and watch that one. Uh, that, that guy really impressed me. And I, I'm very rarely <laughs> very impressed. <laughs> it's just the type of person I am. Um, anyway, we got more fights coming up next week. UFC on ESPN 19. I don't know how we're numbering these things now. Is this was you? This last one was UFC Vegas 15, but it was UFC on ESPN 18. I don't know what we're calling these things anymore. I always have to look at the hashtags uh ahead of time or like during the fights to make sure i know what fights i'm talking about probably use the wrong hashtags all the time you guys know i'm terrible with social media you know uh, i'll put it away for a few days and you know that's just not the way that's not the way to build yourself up on social media i know this but i do it anyway because i'm a busy man folks uh, but I still found the time to get on here and, and talk to you all this weekend. So there's that. You got to have a little balance, a little store balance to the universe. All right, let's talk a little boxing before we talk fights next week. Uh, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. Uh, this had been talked about for what feels like a year. You know, Mike Tyson's coming back. Mike Tyson's going to fight. And then that clip surfaced, Mike Tyson hitting pads, and he looked ferocious. I I couldn't get excited about it, um, especially, you know, leading up to this fight. So they were like, oh, well, they're going to wear headgear and oh, there's, no, there's not going to be judges. And if anybody gets cut or if anybody gets knocked down, they're going to stop the fight and there's going to be no winner. And, okay, really not helping me get interested in this. And then the co-main event is Jake Paul, the, the YouTube star. I don't know if he... I don't know what he does on there. I don't know if he's like a singer or if he just like talks about stuff. I don't, I don't really know much about him. Uh, I'm sure he's very skilled at, at whatever it is he does. I don't know if he's one of these guys that plays video games and, and people watch him. I, I just don't know. Uh, if you want to tell me great. Um, I have a feeling his content is not for people like me. It's not for like, you know, mid thirties dads. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm not Jake Paul's target audience, but he he was fighting some NBA player who I had no idea who he was either. I, I even forget his name. It was Nate Williams, Nate Wilkins, something. Anyway, and then in between everything, they had these rappers just like lip syncing songs on a stage by themselves, and they had like crowd noise dubbed into it it was very uncomfortable they had like a weird combination of commentators they had israel adesanya who's obviously very experienced striker and very knowledgeable they had mauro ranallo who's i think one of the best uh play-by-play -play commentators of all time you know he goes back all the way to the pride days he just has that voice that's that's tailor-made for these things and um who else did they have in there? Sugar Ray Leonard, 
I, I don't think Sugar Ray even knew he was there. Uh, <laughs> it was just like, and then they had Mario Lopez, who seemed like he was sedated or on Xanax or something. Like he had, he had the lowest energy possible for, a, you know, doing a, a boxing broadcast. He just seemed like he didn't really want to be there or maybe like, maybe they kept putting on the camera, putting the camera on him too much. And he didn't, he ran out of things to say. I don't, I don't know, but it, it, I just got a vibe of like, uh, you know, like a very antidepressants vibe from him where he was like, you know, a little pilled up and, you know, he should be happy, man. I think, I think, uh, saved by the bell just had a, had a re re revival. I think they re redid that show. So, you know, he should be a happy guy. He's busy. You know, he's always, he's always on TV and stuff. Anyway, it was weird to, the combination. Oh, and then they had Snoop Dogg, it, who's hilarious. And I thought he, I thought he was great. I thought he was like the best part of that broadcast team, but it was just an awkward dynamic. There was not a lot of chemistry between all those guys was the problem. They were just, you know, you, know, you had, I understand wanting variety, but you just had, you had the whole spectrum. And, and there wasn't enough like common ground between these folks. Like you have one of the greatest boxers of all time. You have one of the greatest MMA fighters currently. You have a great MMA WWE broadcaster and you have a rapper and you have Mario Lopez. who's very knowledgeable about boxing, but he's, you know, more on the celebrity angle. It was a weird mix. All right. So let's talk the fight. I thought Tyson beat the crap out of Roy Jones. Um, and the feed I was watching this on was very spotty, very delayed. And then I was trying to watch the UFC at the same time. But, man, every time I looked up, Tyson was ripping to the body, just ripping. Vintage Mike Tyson body shots. And Roy had his moments in there, too. You know, it's not like he moves like a 50-year-old. Uh, you know, he had some, he had some pitter-patter in that seventh round i think it was where he ripped off a bunch of shots in a row uh i only gave him one round i gave what are there eight rounds i gave seven of the rounds to tyson i gave one round of roy i don't remember if it was like this that seventh round where he, he landed a lot of those combinations or if it was like the fourth something like that he he looked pretty good he landed a bunch of shots but nothing too damaging i mean tyson obviously landed the more damaging shots i mean roy looked like he was pretty much done after the fourth round. Tyson looked in much better shape. And I guess because this isn't a sanctioned fight that these guys could be taking whatever they want. That's what I'm assuming. Um, so I, I would imagine they're both on TRT at least. Uh, anyway, Mar Mark says that uh, he kept his expectations extraordinarily low and Tyson managed to exceed them. Not by a lot, but he enjoyed it like visiting a museum. That's such a great analogy. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Um, man, I, I get the nostalgia because I remember when I was a kid, like my dad and, and his friends and stuff would, would order the Tyson fights and, you know, everybody looked forward to, to seeing him fight. The guy was a, a killer. Um, and, and you know, you saw, glimpses of that last night but you know he still fought like a 54 year old like a really 
like a freak of nature 54 year old um you know all this talk of like oh he looked as good as some of the heavyweights out there now no no i don't i don't think uh <laughs> i don't think you guys know what you're looking at if you're if you're saying stuff like that he's not he's not getting in there with guys like tyson fury and deontay wilder and these guys that's not that's not happening he's not even gonna get close to those guys um you, you know he just can't move this quick anymore he looked he looked incredible against you know, another 50 year old. And he, he even said he has no interest in being competitive anymore. He, he wants to kind of do this like legends league thing. I think he was like part owner of the promotion. And he said, he wants to do more of these. He wants to put Roy on the card and Roy after the fight looked like, I don't ever want to get punched again. <laughs> you know, they had Jim Gray standing there interviewing them both. And for some reason this was scored a draw uh, just because I guess they had to give a result. They're like, oh, our celebrity judge, whoever the fuck it was, uh, scored this a draw. The only thing I liked about that was that make-believe boxing judges were consistent with real boxing judges. Fucking terrible. Uh, because there's no way that contest was a draw. Like, Mike Tyson clearly won. Um, Roy Jones clearly looked defeated at the end. Uh, he said that he was really hurt by the body shots. Tyson looked fine. He looked like he could go another four rounds, maybe five. I don't know. Uh, you know, he looks like he could do a, a 12 round legends fight. Uh, hopefully, you know, since, since this wasn't a complete disaster, as far as the actual fight went, maybe they can continue doing these and, you know, bring back some other fighters that, you know, are too old to kind of compete, but they still, they still want to get in there and do it. I don't know. I don't know how much desire there will be for people to see stuff like this. If it's not Mike Tyson and if it's not Roy Jones Jr., you know, um, you, you know, maybe Oscar De La Hoya, uh, people would want to see him get in there and have him and, and Mayweather run it back in one of these things, do like an eight round, uh, you know, no winner thing. Uh, they could probably build something up, but then he's going to want a piece of it. And there, there's the there's the problem too, because with these older boxers, they all are part owners of promotions and stuff, so they're all going to want a piece of it, um, and, and they're the only ones that are going to generate any interest uh, because – you know, the, the, the less successful boxers, you know, they're probably like drug addicts or like not training or alcoholics or, um, you know, not doing so well. Um, so it, it seems like you're going to have a very small pool of people to pick from that are going to be draws for this legends league thing. And then they need to sort out the rest of it. Like, all right, is it going to be celebrity boxing where you have YouTube stars and NBA players uh, knocking each other around um, with, with little to no technique, or is it going to be like all legends fights on a card? Like, why do you have these rappers on here? I, I didn't know any of them except for Snoop Dogg. Now I'm not in touch with like current day music, but even if I were, I, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see these guys lip syncing their songs on a stage in front of nobody in front of Mauro Ronaldo, who, who I guarantee doesn't know who they are either. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so it definitely shouldn't have been a draw. 
there there's potential to do stuff like this again, but you know, who are you going to do it with? Like, obviously Tyson is always going to be a draw. You can have him, you could have him in there, you know, fighting a kitchen table and people are going to tune in like, Oh man, Tyson's going to destroy that kitchen table. It's like, yeah, yeah, probably will. Um, so anyway, uh, I, could have, I could have done without a lot of the production stuff. I, I just kind of had it muted in the background and, and waited for the fighting to start. So the co-main event, Jake Paul, again, I don't really know. I don't know what he's famous for. I just know he's super famous. And the other guy, Nate, uh, I think it's Williams. I want to say Nate Williams. Uh, NBA, apparently he's a really good slam dunk contest guy. He won. They, they kept saying he won the slam dunk contest three times. And that's all they said about him. They didn't say like, Oh, he's got, he's been boxing since he was five. And then when I saw him fight, I realized why they weren't saying anything about his boxing because it looked like he had never boxed before. He just kept trying to grab Jake. And at one point in the first round, the referee was like, Hey, this isn't a wrestling match. You know, you guys have to hit each other. Uh, Jake kept coming in with his head straight up, uh, throwing the same combination over and over uh, and was landing it whenever he wasn't getting clinched up uh, by Nate and, you know, eventually put him to sleep and just knock the guy out cold. And then he called out Conor McGregor for some reason. They said Jake Paul weighed in 189 pounds. He wants to fight a guy who's 155 pounds. Uh, like, that's never going to happen, obviously. He also called out Dylan Dennis. I think that's a little bit more realistic. Uh, apparently, those guys have some drama, like something about girls they've dated before. I, I, I've read stuff about it, but, you know, nothing that would really stick. Um and, you know, when people say, like, if he's going to call out a real fighter, um, you, you know, he, he's got to be a lot better. Yes, but remember that Dylan Dennis is an MMA fighter, but he's really a jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, you know, in the little we've seen of him in MMA, we know he doesn't like to get hit. And as soon as he does, he'll pull guard. Obviously, you can't do that in a boxing match. Uh, Jake Paul is a little bit bigger than him. Their boxing skills are probably pretty equal. Um, and, and Jake would have that size advantage. I think it would be, I think it would be a good match to make. Um, you, you know, if you're going to keep doing just fun stuff like this, like pairing up people just because like, obviously neither of them are going to win any world titles in boxing or anything like that. But, uh, you know, people know who they are and they want to see them fight. And, you know, people are into the drama and stuff like that. They they can build up all the stuff with their ex girlfriends or or whatever their problem was. And uh, anyway, my buddy Matt says that he thinks it went as well as it could, but it happened. Let's be happy we saw it and move along. Yeah, I can live with that. All right, so let's move along. UFC on ESPN nineteen. Uh, we got Jack Hermanson and Marvin Vittori. So this was supposed to be Jack Hermanson and somebody else. I, I, I'm having a hard time keeping track. All these fights keep getting moved around. But um, it was supposed to be somebody that was higher up as a contender in there with Hermanson. If anybody can think of it, uh, feel free to feel free to let me know that I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, this is a fun fight. Uh, you know, Vittori is a guy who's having a hard time finding people to fight him. And Hermanson is a guy who's 
having a very similar problem because he's right on the cusp of the title shot. And Vittori coming off that really impressive performance against Carl Roberson back in June. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, really looking for that Chris Weidman fight. And, um, you know, nobody wanted to get in there with this guy. Jack Hermanson has the same problem. Oh, thank you, Mark. It was supposed to be Darren Till against Jack Hermanson. Yeah, that would have been a great fight. But Till had to pull out. He had injury or something like that. So Marvin Vittori steps in. So Jack Hermanson having a hard time getting a, someone to fight too because he's, you know, he doesn't want to take like too low level competition because he's, he was so close to a title shot. Uh, really impressive in his last fight against Calvin Gastelum, that nasty heel hook he, he pulled out of nowhere. Um, that was super impressive. So this is a fun one. Hermanson, um, very well-rounded. I think he's got better jujitsu than most of us even realize, even though we've seen him get a few submissions. He's got that nice guillotine. Uh, and obviously, he's got a heel hook in his back pocket or two. Uh, Vittori, you know, submission in his last win. Um, we know he's we know he can strike very technical on the feet. Uh, so that's a fun main event. Co-main event, Ovin St. Prue and Jamal Hill. Um, this is an interesting one. I'm not. I'm not too sure why they made this matchup. I don't know if somebody else pulled out here. Um, let's see. Hill had a no contest in his last fight, and then he only has one win in the UFC. If you don't count his contender series win, this is a huge step up in competition to get in there with Ovin St. Prue, who's another guy. You know, I've talked about a lot of fighters so far on the show tonight that are like this. When he's on – He's one of the most dangerous men on the planet. And when he's off, like things just fall apart for him in there. Uh, Jamal Hill, this is this is a huge step up in competition for him. Owen St. Pru is an absolute killer. He's super experienced, very well-rounded. He can finish you anywhere. He's got that nasty shoulder choke, that Von Flu choke, which I believe some people call it the St. Pru choke uh, because he's actually done it more times than Jason Von Flu in the UFC. Uh, he's coming off that nasty uh, second-round knockout of Alonzo Menafield in his last fight after a one-fight stint at heavyweight against Ben Rockwell. Um, yeah, man, I'd, I'm not a betting man, but I'd have to definitely lean heavy on Ovin St. Pru in this uh, co-main event. What else we got going on here? Uh, jump around a little bit. John Vellante and Jake Collier. Uh, I'm wondering what weight class this is going to be at. I would love to see John Volante go back down to 205. Uh, but no, Jake Collier is a heavyweight, six foot three heavyweight. So I, I don't, I wouldn't mind seeing Volante stay at heavyweight if he comes like in shape because the problem in his last fight was he came, you know, he looked twice the size that, that he did at 205 um and and here's a guy that's so naturally gifted of an athlete and such a great wrestler and he never uses it he'll get into brawls with guys and and he'll be getting pieced up and he'll still want to stand and bang uh matt wyman getting in there with jordan Levitt, who i believe is another contender series guy matt wyman the grizzled veteran of course who's had you know close to Close, uh, close to 40 fights, I believe. 
Uh, Leave it is coming off of a arm triangle choke finish uh, in the, on a contender series. So this will be his UFC debut. Good luck to you making your UFC debut against Matt Wyman, who's been fighting since the beginning of time. Let's see. First professional fight for Matt Wyman was in 2004. He's been there, done that. Uh, two losses in a row, uh, but both against you know really tough guys, Joe Selecki and Luis Pena. Um, and before that, he had a five-year layoff. Um, so hopefully those those last two fights where he went a distance and against Selecki, and uh, that was a pretty good fight from what I remember. And then he did get finished by Luis Pena, but, you know, Pena is a killer. Um, I tend to lean towards experience. So I see a guy 7-0 and making his UFC debut against a veteran like Matt Wyman. I would lean towards Wyman. But, you know, if uh, Jordan Leavitt is the, the real deal, then, you know, we're all going to find out. And then Jimmy Flick, who's another popular uh, submission artist from the Contender Series, is going to be fighting Cody Durden. I believe this is Flick's first official fight in the UFC. I'm going to give you guys that as my my sleeper pick. I think that's going to be a really fun fight because Cody Durden, 11 and two, uh, he's he's pretty well rounded. He's got some submission wins under his belt. Jimmy Flick, um, you know, very well versed in jujitsu. Uh, you know, he he had a, a fun showing on the Contender Series back in September. Um, it seems like his weakness is the feet because his, most of his losses are, are knockouts. So, uh, yeah, this should be a fun fight. Durden, Durden is well-rounded. Let's take a quick look at his record because I can't remember exactly. I know. Yeah. Okay. So 11 and two, he's got five knockouts, five submissions. So he's super well-rounded. He's coming off a draw in his last fight, which was his UFC debut. So both of these guys young in their career. Durden's 29 years old. Yeah, that's my sleeper pick for uh, for next week's fight card. Fun little card. I, I'm I'm actually really excited about this main event. I, I forgot about Darren Till pulling out of this against Hermanson, but I think Vittori and Hermanson is a fun fight. Vittori is a guy who has a chip on his shoulder. He feels like he doesn't get the respect he deserves, and he wants to fight for it. So um, you always got to respect guys like that. So fun, fun card coming up. Uh, that is, that's going to be December fifth. That puts us into December, folks. 2020 is coming to an end. I know a lot of you who are like superstitious think that like all the bad shit's going to go away when when it turns 2021. That's not the case. You know, all the problems we have now are still going to exist next year. Uh, maybe we'll have a vaccine for the coronavirus. Maybe we won't. Maybe it'll make you grow a third leg. I don't know. I'm not going to be the first one to try it. Uh, but hopefully they have this thing figured out and, uh, and we can start to start to wipe this disease away and put it behind us regardless of what year it is. In any case, I hope everybody's finding some some kind of joy in this holiday season despite this pandemic we're having. I'm finding some joy in my glass right now as I refill it with some of this Bell Mead bourbon. Very delicious. I highly recommend picking up a bottle of this um, to accompany your holiday festivities coming up. Uh, I hope everybody's making some fun plans um, for the holidays and New Year's and everything like that. I imagine nobody's going to be watching the, the ball drop in Manhattan this year. That's going to be a wild scene. I wonder if they're even going to do it. 
Like, how do you, if they are dropping the ball, how do you stop people from going into Manhattan? From what I hear, Manhattan has been like completely deserted. Um, so there's that. Anyway, we're at the point in the show where I'm just bourbon rambling. So that's that's it. That's all I got for MMA and boxing and everything else that went down this weekend. We got some fun fights to look forward to next week. I'll have some fun drinks to talk to you guys about and you know, maybe some more housekeeping stories about me cutting trees in my yard and getting manicures from my daughter and who knows? Who knows what we'll talk about here. Again, if you guys want to get a hold of some MMA on the Rocks gear, T-shirts, hoodies, go to our friends at Team Reaper, reaper1.co. I'll put the link in the show notes. As always, please do leave a review wherever you're listening or, or watching or you know, leave comments and, and uh, feedback. It does help me out quite a bit because uh, if there's something you don't like about the show or, or that you do like about the show, you, know, you got to let other people know, let me know. And we can make little adjustments. Obviously, everybody wants more Animal Wilson. Uh, try to make that happen as much as possible. And that's it. If you guys want to get a hold of me, you know how. It's at MMA on the Rocks everywhere on social media. You can send me an email, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. You can go to the website, MMA on the Rocks.com. You can send me a message that way. I'm, I'm pretty accessible. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to get a hold of me. And I appreciate those of you who do. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Bye.